the center of our life. Be the center in our family. Be the center, oh God, in our city, in America. Be the center, oh God, that everything revolves around Jesus. We need you, God. We're hungry for you. Come on, one more time with everything within you. From our hearts, all the way up to the heavens, Jesus. to you today. For those that don't know me, my name is Nancy Wyrosik. I'm one of the apostolic elders here. And I just want to speak to those who are not in right standing with God. You've never been born again. I want to let you know in Romans chapter 5 verse 8 it says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So if you've been struggling with the fact of do I want to live for Jesus? Can I live for God? Can I give him my life? I'm not really good enough. I want to let you know, Jesus died when we weren't good enough. That's why he had to die. He died for sinners. He died when we were in our worst state, in our worst place of life. And I want to let you know, his love is so great for you. That he doesn't want you to remain in that state. He died, was buried, and rose again so that you can live life and life to the fullest. With all eyes closed all across this room, I want you to think about what Jesus did for you on the cross. And if you haven't been living right, if you haven't been following his commands, if you've never been born again, or you once were and you backslid, you turned away from him, I want to challenge you this afternoon, get right with God now. He wants you to have a relationship with him. He died so that you could have it. 
Don't go home and wait to fix things. Do it right now. Jesus, I pray for every single person in this room that has never been born again. They're not right with you. They've backslid. They're not doing it your way. God, I pray that today they surrender because you demonstrated your love for them, that you died while they were still sinners, and you want to save them right now. God, I ask that you would do it according to their faith, a confession of their lips, that they will be saved. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God is good. Come on, give them a hand clap of praise. We're going to have some prayer workers over here for you to receive prayer from, to ask questions about plugging into the church, getting discipled. This is Carmen and Steve Ramos. They're an awesome couple here. They're our deacons. They want to pray with you. So please go to them for prayer and finding out about our discipleship because we want to be with you on your journey as you walk with the Lord. At this time, we're going to have our confession of faith um, recital together. The reason why we do that here at Metro Praise International is because this is our Christian worldview. This is how we see our world. So in the count of three, let's recite it together. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world. The Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection. And the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Spend some time fellowshipping and meeting people. Come on.
excited to be at church this afternoon. Come on, make some noise if you are excited about Jesus and life. We are so excited that you are here. On behalf of all the staff, pastors, and leaders, we thank you and we welcome you to Metro Praise International and joining us this afternoon as we worship the Lord together. Our services here at MPI are every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. And then every Friday we have Elevate at 7 p.m. That's what I'm talking about. Ages 11 to 18 years old. And we have announcements for you. Back to School Bash this Wednesday, August 26th at 6.30. We're going to have a family fun night. That's what it's called every last Wednesday of the month. So the theme for this month, this Wednesday, is our Back to School Bash. We're going to have games, crafts, snacks, raffles, prizes, free school supplies for the children, kindergarten through fifth grade. So if you have children, your neighbors, bring them on by. It's going to be an awesome time this Friday. Also at the end of the month, we have August 30th. Uh, both of our services that Sunday at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m., we're going to have our MPI baptism and barbecue. Come on, who's excited about people getting baptized? It's so exciting. Invite your friends, invite your families. That's the service you do not want to miss. It's going to be awesome. Somebody say awesome. Look to your neighbor say, you've got to be there. Our vision here at MPI is very simple. It's loving God, loving people. Say it's simple. So let's just do it, okay? Loving God, loving people. Our discipleship strategy is threefold. It's connect, mentor, and send. The way we want to connect you to the church, connect you to Jesus is through our life groups. Somebody say life groups. On the back of your handouts, we have a schedule of our life groups that are happening for this quarter. Check it out. Find the place that works for your family's schedule that meets your needs and start going faithfully. You want to get plugged in. You want to get connected to these life groups. You're going to build lasting friendships. You're going to get deeper in your walk with God. And it's just an awesome time to hang out and just get to know people. So here's a snapshot of what we have this week for life groups. Kicking it off, it's Wednesday, our King's Kids Life Group. Infant to 11 years old meeting here at 6.30 at the church. Every Friday we have two adult Bible studies. One is at the Govea's house and the other one is at the Walker's house. That's where you want to be if you're 18 years or up at 7 p.m. Child care is included. Don't miss out. Be there on Fridays. Bring your teenagers here. You guys go there. It's awesome. So join them this week. Saturday every week we have evangelism that meets here at the church. All ages are welcome. 5 p.m. They hit the streets. They share your faith. I want to challenge all of you guys. If you've never done that, do it. It's going to encourage you. It's going to refresh you. And it will get you strengthened in your walk with the Lord. And don't be scared. We don't have to answer everybody's questions. we got to let them know that Jesus is the only way. Come on. And then we want to mentor you. Somebody said mentor. They brought me the wrong book, but that's okay. This is not the 101 book. But this is a good book, too, if you want to purchase it. Disciple-Based Churches, awesome. My husband wrote this one. But our 101 book is called Welcome to Your New Life. We have leaders ready to take you through it. Find a leader. Say, I want to go through the 101 book. Walk me through this journey of life with the Lord. We have that available to you on a one-on-one -on -one basis. When you graduate the 101, you get into our 201 class. Disciples that make disciples. This is where we train you to be leaders. And then we want to send you out to keep winning souls for the Lord, keep making disciples. And our goal here at MPI is to have 100,000 disciples with 50 churches and then 500 around the world. Who gets excited about that? Come on. Do you want to be a part of that? Because I know I do. We've been saying this vision, discipleship strategy and goal since day one, 10 years ago. We're not going to stop until Jesus comes back. So you guys are a part of that number. This, the, uh, the prayers that were going up 10 years ago, we're so thankful about what God is doing in Chicago and throughout the world, and you guys all play a part of that. 
Who's excited to learn about tithes and offerings? Come on. We're going to be reading out of the Disciples Giving book. We are on section three, lesson six in the Disciples Giving book. It's a 52-lesson book for one lesson out of every week of the year to learn about finances, tithes, offerings, and the lessons that God gives us through those passages of Scripture. So as they are working that up there, if you could turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 14, verses 42 through 44 is what I will be reading from. Luke 14, 42 through 44. Let me give you the definition of stewardship. It is the wise management of everything God has entrusted us with. God wants us to be wise stewards, wise managers of everything that he's given to us because we're going to give an account to him about what we've done with it one day, and we want to be rewarded. And so we're learning about stewards are to be wise today. Let's read in Luke 14. You could follow along once they get that up there, but let's read in our Bibles. The Lord answered, Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. How many of you guys want to be in charge of heavenly possessions one day? Come on, I know I do. I don't know if you guys do. It's kind of quiet in here, but I know I want to be in charge of heavenly possessions. It starts now. Earth is our practice, Greg practice ground. Let's read three main points from that passage of scripture. Number one, stewardship parables. Jesus used parables, which are stories about servants and masters and bosses with employees to teach us that if worldly people are rewarded for good stewardship, how much more will he reward us when we are wise in managing what he has given us? So think about your job. Think about your workplace and all that you're entrusted with. If your employer can reward you when you do good and manage stuff well, how much more is God going to do that for us? And much more on a much grander scale. Number two, why stewards work when the master is gone? Somebody say, get busy. Keep working. Jesus taught the wise steward is to be obedient and manage all of his possessions while he is in heaven. Number three, put in charge of all his possessions. Jesus promised in all his stewardship parables that the wise manager will always, say always, be rewarded with more of heaven's treasures. Let's be wise stewards together. Come on, for the Lord's glory. Here's a summary. Be a wise steward with everything God has given you by keeping Jesus' commands. Let's apply this to our life in three ways. Number one, be faithful in giving your tithes, 10% of your total income, and offerings, anything you give after the tithes. Two, listen and obey Jesus' instructions concerning your finances. When we put God into every area of our life, it works. When we put God in our finances, we use his wisdom found in scripture, it's going to work. Number three, be a wise steward that can be rewarded with more of Jesus' possessions. If you want that, let's confess this confession of faith together over our life concerning our finances on the count of three. One, two, three. God has called us to be managers that are committed to stewarding whatever gifts we have received from him. We are to be wise, fruitful, faithful, trustworthy, multiplying, and shrewd stewards, living debt-free and generous lives, providing an inheritance for our children and grandchildren. If you want that, stand with me to your feet this afternoon, please, as we prepare to give Jesus our very best, our tithes and our offering. He is good all the time, and all the time, he is good. Again, MPI believes that a tithe is a 10% of our total income. 
An offering is above the tithe, an amount between you and the Lord that we designate towards missions or building. We give to various missions projects throughout the year. Currently, we're in a building fund to raise our lit up Metro Praise International Church sign. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We're more than halfway there. You guys are doing it. It's awesome to see what God can do in a church when people rally together and say, hey, we're going to see God's vision come to pass in our city. We also have two other options, convenient ways for you to give or purchase items in the church using your credit or debit cards. One is online at our easy-to-use website. And in the back with me, you can see me after service if you have any questions about that. Let's recite this verse together. Luke 6, 38, Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your faithfulness to our lives. I pray that you bless the gift and the giver today, God. I pray that you receive these tithes and offerings. Multiply them for your kingdom. That we will see Chicago saved, the nation saved. That the gospel will be preached at the ends of the earth. Bless them, God. Prosper them. Favor them. Bring increase and prosperity to our lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... Amen and amen. Please come forward as you give, and thank you for your generosity. Happy it's still summer. Make some noise. Woo, woo. Come on, open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. We had a little bit of a scare last week that fall was coming. It got to be about 70, got low 50s in some places. How many are happy summer still hanging around? My hope is we get a little bit more summer in September. We get a little bit more September, summer, because we miss some in June. But I'm so glad that you're here because you know what? The sun is always shining. God is always with us. And we have so much to be thankful for, don't we? And today we are going to be talking about the gifts of grace. Everybody say the gifts of grace. Thank you, Jose. We are in the passage of Scripture for the series of grace, Ephesians, <clears throat> excuse me, chapter 2, verse 8. So turn there with me as we go on today to learn about the gifts that God's grace gives us. How many like to receive gifts? How many like to give gifts? Yeah, there are some of us that like to give them as well. I know as a parent, as I've gotten older and my kids have gotten older, I've really loved giving, uh, even probably more than receiving. You know, a lot of times as you get older, people give you a gift. You're like, no, I don't need it. But as you see your kids get so happy with the gifts you give them, it's so satisfying, isn't it? You're like, man, that's what it's about. And uh, so it's like if I want to be like Christ, I want to take care of my children and the people around me. And that really is part of what we're going to be talking today about is using your 
your gifts that God's grace has given you to use them by the grace of God to help others. Now we want to help others. You want to make a difference in this world. Amen? So let's look at our passage. We've been going through it the whole summer. It's a summer of grace. It's been exciting. Last week is going to be next week. So at the baptism Sunday, I'm going to preach the last sermon on grace. Now, like I said, hopefully summer does not end next week. Okay? I'm praying that summer goes on to September. But I am keeping with the series for the summer, the summer of grace. Hashtag it if you haven't yet. Tell your friends it's a summer of grace. And there's two more weeks to get up in it. And uh, just want to remind you, as you come to the baptism, bring somebody that you know that doesn't know Jesus. You know, bring somebody because we're going to preach a great soul-winning message. And then we're going to go out and have free food. And what a better way to introduce people to the church than to hear about Jesus and get some great food. And I'll tell you what, some that are getting baptized are going to have power powerful, powerful testimonies. Rosie, could you raise your hand, please? Rosie, yeah, don't be shy. Rosie's getting baptized. Give it up for Rosie. Thank you so much for having the courage to do that. I know she's going to be inviting her friends and family, and there's others that are going to be baptized that are here today. And so we're excited for you. And just invite those friends over, and let's end this summer out with a bang. Can I get a what, what? Amen. Here we go. Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10, talking about grace today. For it is by what? Grace, you have been saved through what? Faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the what? Gift of God. So look at this. Grace through faith, not of ourselves. It's the gift of God. So what is the gift of God? The gift of God is grace through faith. God gives us grace and the faith to be saved because faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. So this is all the gift of God, not by works so that no one can what? Boast, thank you. We're going to be talking about this today. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. How many are happy that God knows the future? How many are happy that God's got it all under control? You know, we're looking at the election season coming up, and everybody's getting upset about certain candidates, and everybody's taking their sides and all of that. Let me just tell you something. It doesn't matter what uh, the Supreme Court does, what the president does, though I hope they do right. I mean, I want them to do right. But ultimately, God is still in control because if people make wrong decisions, God has already factored that into plan to work out for our good. And the end of the story is Jesus comes back and, rule and rules and reigns on the earth so we win. Amen? So it doesn't matter if your political party wins this presidential election. If you're in the kingdom culture, you're winning with Jesus. Amen? Now, having said that, let's try to do good works in politics. Let's pray for our leaders. Let's pray for our businesses and economy. But let us remember, this is not our home. We are only passing through. Can I get an amen for that? All right, so we are God's handiwork created to do good works, and it's all about grace. Here's that definition. Grace is God's undeserved favor, love, help, and enablement made available through Jesus Christ. And everybody say enablement. Enablement, you know, see, it's more than just God, like, giving us nice things. The grace of God also empowers us to do things. So think of grace not only just as a gift or like a hug or God saying, I love you and you're so cool, you know, you're so awesome. Does anybody talk like that? Does anybody go like, you're so awesome? Is that just, <laughs> that's just, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That's just me. That's just the gringo pastor. Be patient with me. But uh, I had to put in that fake laugh there. I'm going to do it again, but no, i got to move on because <laughs> that's so funny, Pastor Not No, but anyways, uh, 
When we look at grace, moving along, face a little red here. When we look at grace, it's not just like God patting us on the shoulder. Let me do it again like, there you go, buddy. you got some grace. No, that's not God. That's more, God's grace is more than that. God's grace is more than just like, I'm just helping you out. God's grace is empowering you. God's grace is motivating you. It should be if you got the right grace. Can I get an amen for the right grace? Because there's a false grace out there. We don't have time to talk about that. But it's favor, love, help, enablement made available through Jesus Christ, given by the Holy Spirit, by his presence with us. And because of God's grace, we can experience what? Mercy, forgiveness, and what? Power to fulfill God's purpose. Everybody say, I have a purpose. See, you have a purpose. God has an advancement on that purpose, advanced knowledge. It's called foreknowledge. He knows what's there waiting for you. He's predestined you to succeed. Think about that. Not only do you have a destiny, you have a predestiny, a predestination. That means God has destined an end result for you and your faith, and he has the power to get you there. Everybody say predestined to succeed. Well, let's rhyme. Everybody say predestined to prosper. Everybody say it like this. Say, I got Pentecostal power predestining me for my purpose. There you go, helping me preach a little bit. Open up your Bibles now to Romans chapter 12, verse 3. If you're glad to be in church, can I get an amen? Isn't it good to be in church in the afternoon? It's good to see the Pacheco family here. I love seeing all of them coming deep. No, y'all ain't sitting next to each other. We got to get you guys together. Maritza's in the back. You guys over here. Are you guys all right? The family okay? No, I'm just kidding. I feel bad not for even saying that, but I'm just teasing. We got to hang out. We got to hang out. It's so good to see everybody else. So this second service is a joy to my heart because it started with just a few of us, and now it's growing, and it's making an availability for many people who appreciate an afternoon service. And I think some of the young people like to sleep in. Some of you guys. Yeah. <laughs> but that's okay. Even for old people, Brian, who like to sleep in. I'm going to try to get you a shot in the eye, you know. No, he's older. I know I should say you're older. Romans chapter 12, if you're in verse 3, can I hear you say I'm there? Now watch this. This is a little bit deep, but if you follow me, you'll get it. Okay, Paul is talking here. He says, for by the grace giving, given me, I say to every one of you, do not think more highly of yourself than you ought. So how many is Paul speaking to here? Every one of you. So look at your neighbor and say, Paul's talking to you. Paul is talking to you. Amanda, he's talking to you. Come on. He's talking to all of us. All of us. Now, what is he telling us? Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. And why is that? It's because today we're going to be talking about God's gifts, the talents, the abilities that God has given us by his grace. So if you're good at something, don't put other people down who are not good at it. So let me talk to all my guys here, all my dudes. Can I get a what? What? Okay, all you guys that are good with, like, fixing cars, changing oil, building houses, don't make fun of guys like myself who have a little Walgreens hammer in my, my drawer at home, okay? You can't make fun of me uh, because I have to go to uh, Jiffy Lube for everything, okay? Because all of us have our own gifts and talents. And it's the same thing here. Maybe there's some women that can cook, and there's other women that can't cook. You shouldn't put down the other women that can cook, right? We all have gifts and talents. And I'm so thankful that the world is made up of multi-talented people. How many are glad that there is somebody talented at being a dentist? 
Could you imagine putting your hands in somebody's mouth every day? How many are glad that there are people that are talented at being nurses and taking care of people? My mother was a nurse's aide. She literally had to change the diapers of old folks. Can you imagine that? But how many know if you were an old person pooping on yourself, if I could say it like that, how many would be happy for the nurse that would clean you? Or the man that's a man nurse, how many would be happy for that? Yes. How many are happy for doctors? But how many of you get grossed out by blood or looking at organs? You know, there used to be a show that was on all the time, if you remember, there show surgeries and all of that. Like, I was totally into that. As a matter of fact, I was just at the dentist, and I said, I wish you had a big mirror right here so I could see you drilling and what's going on. Because first of all, you start off with a needle this big. I want to know where that goes, you know? I'm like, because my jaw is only like this big. Your needle's that big. Are you like putting it sideways? And then it's like, you're here. I'm, I want to know what's going on. But how many, some, that freaks some people out. But how many are glad there's people that that doesn't freak out, you know? Like a brain surgeon, a heart surgeon. Like you'd be like, oh, look at all that blood. But I'm glad there's a doctor that can get into your heart, figure it out, take out the bad stuff, right? How many are thankful for garbage men? Right? How many are thankful for that? How many are thankful for police officers? You know, I'm not saying that everything they do is right, but how many are thankful that you still can call them up? And I could be here all day. How many are happy that there's people who can do your taxes? Oh, let me just add this together and do this, and I'll save you $15 on that, and then I'll do this, and I'll do that. You know, you're, there's people who love numbers, and you, you got to give them these things for them to do. I'm happy that there's people who do that. How many are happy that there's somebody that answers the phone at Comcast, and it's not you, okay? Because I know when i got to call Comcast, I'm usually upset or cable, whatever your cable company is, but how many are glad that's somebody doing that? There's somebody there to figure out, have you reset your cable box? Have you plugged it in? You know, have you done this and this? I'm like, yes, 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 and yes, and yes. And my internet and my cable still doesn't work. I have first world, 21st century Western problems right now. Fix me. Make me happy. Because if my air conditioning and my cable and my ice cube maker doesn't work, I'm not happy. And you know I'm not alone on that. Let's be real. Your cable go out for one day. You ready to start a war. You ready to have, let somebody have it. But here's what the Bible says. Everybody say, let's go to the Bible. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. So there is nobody among us here that no matter what job we have, what gifts or talents we have, should we think more of ourselves. So I can't say because I'm your pastor, oh, I'm better than you. No, 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 no. I got the microphone. You don't. Uh, the police officer can't pull us over and go, oh, look, do what I say. Hop on a leg. Be crazy. I'm going to abuse you. No, they can't do that, and they shouldn't, right? We should hold them accountable. And it's the same thing, like, with all our different jobs, you know? It's at every place that God has put us, whether it's a mother, a husband, wife, whatever you go and do tomorrow. I want to know. As a matter of fact, I want to know. I've got super-duper hearing. I'll be able to discern every single one of your voices. I'm like a good old mother right here. A mother could hear 20 babies crying and know which one is her baby, okay? So on the of three, I want you to shout out your job, what you're doing tomorrow, or if you're going to school, what school you're going to, and I will hear it clearly. Are you guys ready? You're going to tell me what you do, what you do tomorrow. One, two, three, shout it out. All I heard was sleep. You, you ruined it. You ruined my Superman sense. That's why we got to have young people sit next to their parents. Where's your parents? No, I'm kidding. Shout it out again. Where are you working? One, two, three. All right. I'm just kidding. I can't understand all that. <laughs> but the bottom line is you're going somewhere tomorrow and you're going to operate in gifts and talents. And who gave those to you? Did you evolve from an ape-like ancestor? Did you come from the goo through the zoo to you? Are you just molecules in motion, a bag of plasma? 
No, God created you with those gifts. So let's think about the person I love picking on right now because everybody in our church is pretty much upset with him, and that's Donald Trump. Let's think about this person. Now, he has a gift to be wise and make money and build buildings, right? Whether you like him or not, let's admit he's good at that, right? It's like the same thing, too, when you're playing sports. Even though the team that you don't like won the game, let's give some credit. You know, they're good at that, okay? So Donald Trump is good at that, but he's a jerk. He's mean. He's not compassionate. He's all these other things, and that ruins the gifts that he has. Now, we would all say, yes, I get that. That kind of attitude is bad. That kind of attitude is bad. But I want to ask, do you treat people like that? So let's say you work at an office, and you're not the secretary, and you have a job that's a little bit higher paid than hers. Do you walk by the secretary and think you're better than her? Do you see what I'm saying? Let's say you're in school and you're in honors classes. Do you look down on people in the normal classes? Do you allow there to be a pride and ego to come from your gifts? God says, don't do that. But this is what we rather should do. Think of ourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to how many of us? Each of you. So he's saying this to everyone that we shouldn't be prideful in what we have, but rather look at what God has done for us. Now look at this example here of what the church is like. Now remember this. If Paul is giving us a lesson about the church, it's also going to apply to everything else we do in life. The church is a foundation for our society. So if we teach principles in the church like this, everybody who comes to church, Metro Praise International, love your neighbor. Now, do you think when you go to your job tomorrow, they're going to say, get rid of all that religious stuff. We don't want you to treat people here like you treat your neighbor. We want you to treat them terrible. Do you think your job's going to say that? And if your job does say that, I, say, I feel sorry for you because your job's about ready to be overtaken by the people who care for customers. Right? Are you tracking with me? Okay. This is kingdom principle. Everybody say kingdom principle. These things we see first in the church, and we should be dedicated to the church. This is a sign and a, an example of God's kingdom coming to earth. Our children are learning the things of God. We're singing songs to God. We're learning the knowledge of God. We're inviting the presence of the Lord into our lives. That, that's what the kingdom of God is going to be like when Jesus rules and reigns, okay? And that's what we need to demonstrate. So this is what Paul says here. He says, for just as the body has many members, and these members don't all have the same function, so in Christ, though we are many, we form one body, and each member belongs to the other. So how many of you have a body? Raise your hand if you have a body. Okay, so you got a body. You're here today. Now look at your body. Doesn't your body have different parts? The hand is not the foot. The ear is not the nose. And yet it makes up one body. How many know if I took a hammer and started hitting any part of your body, you would feel it? Even if I just hit your little pinky, you would feel it, right? If I hit your foot, if I hit your nose, whatever, you're going to feel it. Now think of the body of Christ. You have an earthly body. But Paul says the body of Christ is the church. Now, the church has one head. That's Jesus. He is the one ultimately in charge. I, just like you, am serving him and, in a, and am a part of his body. I am not the head of Christ's church. Can I get an amen for that? I am still a disciple of Jesus. I am just like you, serving Jesus. Now, 
Now, in the church, we're all not the same. In this local church, we all have different roles. Some of you may be like the hand. Some of you may be like the foot, the arms, the legs. All of these different parts of the body work together. And what Paul wants us to see is just like in the earthly body, if one suffers, they all suffer, and they have to work together to function, the church has to do the same thing. Now, apply this to your everyday life. When you go to your job, is your job going to be most successful when you guys are all unified or when you're all separately doing different visions and different things? Your, vis- uh, your company will rise or fall based on the unity of the vision. Now let's put it into our families. If mom's doing one thing in a different vision and the father's doing another thing in a different vision, are the children going to have the best family? Like if mom says, I think it's good to spank children, and she spanks the children, and the father says, I don't think it's good to spank children, is that going to be a consistent discipline for the children? No. And let's just say another example, marriages. Let's say the husband says, I want to save 10%. I want to give 10%, and I want to save 10%. And sorry, ladies, I'll just be stereotypical here. I know it's not true of all ladies. But the ladies say, I'm going to spend it all. I'm going to spend every paycheck. I'm mama going to get new shoes. Now, if you had a woman that was thinking that way, like I said, it's just a stereotypical thing, but dudes can overspend, and you vice versa, women can save. But you get my point. If a husband says, let's save 10%, And the wife says, let's spend it all. Is that going to be a good financial plan for the future? No. So wherever we are at, starting with the church, what principles should we learn? The unity of many members functioning as one body. We look to sports. The better a team functions as a team, the better the players function as a team, the better they will win their games. The better your company functions as a team, the better it will do. And the same thing is in the church. So look at this next verse. So in Christ, verse 5, though many form one body and each member belongs to the others. Now look at verse 6. We each have different charisma, uh, charismata, different gifts. Everybody say gifts. And here is the Greek word, charismata. Everybody say charismata. That is the word gifts. We each have different gifts. You could also say talents. According to the grace, everybody say charis. Thank you, given to each of us. So do you see right here why I'm pointing this out to you? Grace is in the word charismata. It is a part of how the word gift is formed. Grace, charis, is in the word gift, charismata. Does everybody see that? Why is that important? Today's sermon is the gifts of grace. God's grace gives. It is natural for grace to give. And anyone who truly gives you a gift is being gracious to you. Now, if you said if they gave me the gift of a, a punch, now that really wouldn't be a gift, okay? But a true definition of a gift is something helpful, something needed, something appreciated. That can only be done by grace, and all grace leads to gifts. If you are truly a gracious person, you won't be a stingy person. You will be a generous person with your love, your time, your talents. Is everybody with me? Time, talents, and love are the greatest things you can give in your life. Are you with me? Time, talents, and 
love. I hope you guys are writing some of these things down. It's a lot of good stuff here today. Look at the next part here. Now, he is going to name each one of the gifts that he's going to talk about in the church, and then I believe we can use these practical gifts to be effective Christians and disciples in the world we live in, not just in church, but everywhere we go. Look at what he says. If your gift, everybody say gift. Thank you. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Everybody put a smile on their face and say cheerfully. Amen. It's good to smile in church. So here it is. Paul's seven practical gifts list. Now, do you know that there's two other lists of gifts in the Bible? There's the nine spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and then there is the five gifts of ministry, apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, and evangelist in Ephesians. Are you with me? So there's total of three gift sections in the Bible. What we're talking about is Paul's seven practical gifts. These are in the church. You will have these, maybe not all of them. I think you'll at least have two or three, and then the church will have them all, or I should say a healthy church will have them all. Now do me a favor, as I go through them real quick right now, write down the two that you really think stand out to you. So get out your notes, please, or write it in your phone. What two gifts out of the seven do you really think are identifying with your strengths, your talents? Prophesying, we'll talk about that if you need a little help with that. Serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leading, showing mercy. Which two would you say are the strongest in your life? Now, ask yourself this question before I speak on these for the next few moments, the gifts of grace. Ask yourself, out of those two main ones that I have in my life, am I using them for the glory of God? I want to give you an example of how you can use it for not the glory of God. See, my friend was a great encourager when we hung out. He was a great guy to be with. He was so much fun. We weren't saved, but he always made you feel like you had a good day because he was a nice guy. But you know what he's done with the last 20 years of his life while I've been in Bible college becoming a pastor? Do you know what he's done? He's worked at a strip club encouraging women to take off their clothes by being a DJ. He actually gives them their nicknames, hypes up the crowd, and encourages women to take off their clothes. Now, that just got your attention, didn't it? But you see, he's using the gift God gave him, but for his own selfish wants and desires. How about another one? Leadership. Leadership. I have a friend that is no longer with us, he has passed. He is now dead. I had a friend, rather, and he has now passed, and he is now dead. You know why? Because he used his gift of leadership to be in gangs. He used his gift of leadership to sell drugs, and eventually someone got him. Isn't that sad? Could have been a father. He had kids. He could have been with his children right now. He could have went to school. He could have started his own business. But he used it for those means. Now you may say, Pastor, that's really extreme. I don't know if I've ever abused my gifts like that. You, you're right. You may not have been that extreme. I was just trying to get your attention. But ask yourself, out of the seven gifts here, what two stick out to you? And those two that God has given you, have you done it for God's glory? 
Have you used them to further the kingdom of God and point people towards the one who gave them to you? Oh, it's something when they play sports and they give all the credit to themselves, but it's a whole other thing when they take a knee or point to heaven and give the credit back to God, isn't it? Because they wouldn't have a leg to stand on, a hand to dribble a ball, or an eye to have hand-eye coordination if it wasn't for a gift giver called God. See, God loves to give gifts. He gave you the gift of life. He's giving you the breath in your lungs right now, the ability for your brain to function. That's our God, and our God put these in you. And let me just say this real quick. Oftentimes we teach our kids in school, you know, you're talented, everybody's talented. But what does that mean? Does that mean everybody can make a lot of money or everybody can sing and be on America's Got Talent? No, this is what we're really saying, isn't it? All of you can be an encourager. All of you could have a talent of teaching and helping another student. All of you could have the gift of serving, right? Well, how much more should we as adults have this in our heart? No matter what you're doing at your occupation, you should say, God, what are my gifts? What can I offer here and give to the people here to give glory to you? I give it to them on behalf of you. So imagine this. You buy a gift. For someone that can't afford to bring a gift to the birthday party, you buy it, put their name on it, and give it to your friend and go, this is from Bob. This is from Bob. Now, they don't know. They open it up, and they're so happy that Bob gave them that gift. But you know the truth. You bought that for Bob. Bob didn't have any money. And you know what? That's the same way God is. God sees us as empty vessels. We don't have anything of ourselves. But God says, I'll give you gifts. But here's the deal. You've got to give them out to the world. You've got to give it out to the world we got to give credit to God and let him get the glory. Amen? Let me go through these quickly. Number one, prophesying. Everybody say prophesying. Now, this may look like the, the one that can only be used in the church, but that's because most of us really don't understand the definition of prophesying. Prophesying is not just acting weird in church and shaking and, and falling down going boom and, uh, you know, doing those kinds of things. And that's okay if you do because I love to fall down and go boom in God's presence, and I love when God touches me and I shake in his glory or laugh or giggle or cry or anything like that. How many love the presence of God? Amen. And if you say, I don't act like that, you know what the problem is? You're probably not feeling him because I could put you up to a, a light socket right here and put your hand on a live wire. You'll feel something, baby. You'll make some noise. Ah! You'll feel something. So if you're telling me I don't get excited, I don't, I don't clap, shake, cry, or whatever, you're not doing anything. You're not touching the live wire of heaven. Because if you're touching Jesus, you will get excited. It may not look like me. It may not look like your neighbor, but you'll have something to get excited about because God is alive. Amen. But here's really the definition of prophecy. It's the number one of all the nine spiritual gifts Paul lists in that passage in 1 Corinthians 12. So it's really important and he even repeats it here in this list of seven. Here's what it is. To speak the heart of God to the heart of people to change their souls, to change their lives. So how about on your job? Have you ever gone to your job and seen somebody and then got a word for them? Maybe you saw they were down, and God said to you, take them out to lunch and encourage them. Were you obedient to do that? That was God trying to give you a prophecy, a message for that person. God wants to speak to you and through you to others. But if we go on our job or get in our community and we go, you know what, I'm not in church anymore. I don't want to hear from God. I'm just going to talk about whatever's on my mind. We're missing opportunities to be spiritual in an earthly world. 
I'm doing a doctoral paper right now on where was Jesus. I'm studying Jesus' life. Jesus had about 250 events in his life, four Gospels. You put them in chronological order. It's about 259 events. I am halfway through chronologically in Jesus' every move. And I put his life in three places. Jesus is either in a religious place, like a synagogue, a Jewish temple. He is in a private place, like a house or a rented room, like in the Last Supper. He was in a rented room. Or lastly, he's in public like by the Sea of Galilee or on a mountainside. So he's either in a religious place, a private place, or a public place. I'm halfway through. Where do you think Jesus is 90% of the time? He's in a public place with a woman at the well next to the pool of Bethesda. You know what the pool of Bethesda was like? It's like Millennium Park, the fountains that come out of the spitting girl's mouth and the kid's mouth. You ever seen that? My wife and I were just there, the bean. That's where Jesus was. The lake shore, that's where Jesus was. In front of your job where people are going to the popular uh, places to get something to eat, what they would call the marketplaces, that's where Jesus was. Jesus was in public sharing the heart of the Father to the hearts of men. Let's not shy away from that. You don't have to be weird. You just have to care. So here's my advice for people that have this gift. Prophesy in faith. Believe that God can speak to you for others. Take time to listen. Can I offer God's heart in the situation? Do it by faith. Now, all seven of these, I think we may do at different times in our life. God's really generous with gifts. But remember, not all of us will operate consistently in these gifts. So some of you, this will be your gift. And I've met people like this. You know what? Vanessa is a person like this. Raise your hand, Vanessa. Vanessa will get words from God on the bus while she's commuting. She'll get words for God just anywhere she's at. And listen, one of my friends just left the church, and he had to move to Georgia. He's a master sergeant in the military. And you know what? He had a lot of questions about what God was doing in his life. While he was in a grocery store, a woman he did not know had a word from God for him, and it realigned his life. Now, of course, be careful when people say, I've heard from God. Run it by the word of God and the leaders of God. Amen? But can you imagine that? You're in a new city. You've left all your friends and family. You're looking for a church, and there's a woman in a grocery store going, hey, this may be a little bit weird, but while I was watching you do your groceries, God gave me a word. I don't know you, but I just want to share this with you. You know, you can lead in with that, or you could just lead in with, hey, I, I'm thinking this. Is this true? Is this something I can help with? Like I say somebody sat at your job. You don't have to say, well, God told me to take you out to lunch because I really don't like you, and I never would take you out to lunch, but he told me, so now I have to do it. No, you could just walk up to them because God could say, take them out to lunch and encourage them. But that would be God speaking, and you don't have to freak them out by saying, God said. Are you with me? Number two, serving. Everybody say serving. The next thing that we see as a gift is the gift of serving. You know, sometimes people come to churches and they feel like, oh, they're just going to want me to do stuff. They're just going to want me to do things for the kids and go over and do things over there. That is not this church. This church is actually the opposite of this. We don't need you. We want you, but we don't need you. We have so many things going on, and it's all volunteer. It's so amazing. Let me just give you an example. Yesterday, over 30 volunteers, put it up, please, uh, Sue Ellen's website, uh, Facebook page. 30 volunteers went to the west side. We go, west side? West Side for a back-to-school party and dressed up as clowns for the kids, played basketball with them, gave out food and school supplies. It was amazing. Volunteer. Nobody was forced to do it, and most of you probably didn't even know about it. 
Why? Because so many people in this church just want to serve. And you know what? As Steve testified, he started a gang ministry. And this is them setting up and getting ready to flip through it as I'm talking. And then put up yours of the gang ministry. I'll talk for a little bit about that. But, you know, just people wanting to serve. I want to go out to this community. Do you know that we received an award from the mayor for going to this community and helping rebuild that park? A reward from the mayor. And you know what? I didn't even go to receive it. I, I let Kathy Adams go and receive it. She was a resident there. She partnered with us. And I said, Kathy, you deserve that award from the mayor because you live there and I just purchased, uh, partnered with you. I didn't need to be the big pastor getting the award from the mayor. Are you listening to me? Steve just said, hey, I want to reach out to gangs. You know what? The gift of serving is natural to Christians. We all should do it. Jesus said, the greatest among you will be the servants, but the servant of all. But there are some of you here, and I just want to encourage you in this. You are a servant at heart. You want to serve everywhere you go. You go to a friend's house, you got to help them clean up after the dinner. You know what I'm saying? you got to make sure everybody's got a ride to church. You want to help out and do these things. I want to tell you that God is a servant. Jesus served us. Not that we're his boss calling him, but think of that. Jesus said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. This is them going to Reese Park yesterday. So we had a West Side outreach with over 30 volunteers, and then this one with over 10 volunteers. And you know why? It's because they want to reach out and help people. This was a vigil for a young man who died in gangs. See, that's called serving. Everybody say serving. Thank you, my brother. Here's my advice for those who have the gift of serving. Serve like Jesus. Does everybody always appreciate it? No. Will you always be told thank you? No. But keep serving. God sees what you do. Amen? Somebody say teaching. Now, I don't know if you know this about me, but I kind of have the gift of teaching. And you'll know this because I'll always be kind of the buzzkill or the party pooper if you're hanging out with me because everybody's having fun, being light, talking about different things. And all of a sudden, you'll see me in the corner having some real intense conversation about the apocalypse and eschatology and, and the hypostatic union. Why? Because I just love to teach. And some of you are like that. Teaching is giving people instruction, advice, information. And you should do it with God's knowledge. Where did science come from? God. So when you're teaching science, it comes from God. When you're teaching business, where did business come from? God. Prosperity came from God. It all comes back to the laws of the harvest, you know, planting and growing and selling. God created these principles. And some of you have this gift on you. That was one of the things that you wrote about. And the church needs those gifts to teach our children, to teach our young people. And we want you to use it, obviously, in the world. Guess what? My wife started off as a bank teller. Bank teller. What was she? A bank teller. Four years later, she was training bank tellers. Why? Because she has the gift of teaching on her. I love what one of the men said as we were hanging out at his house, uh, his friend's house, one of these young brothers, they was in the first service. He said, I just love when your wife gets up there and does all that teaching. I love it. And, you know, he could see the gift on her. And that, that makes me feel good when you talk good about my wife, right? That's, that's a good thing. So some of you have that gift. All of us should be able to teach others. How many want to teach their kids? How many want to teach their people at work how to do their job, right, to get a promotion? I'll teach you so I can go to that next level, baby. Well, here's how we should do it, passionately, gently, and truthfully. Next, everybody say encouraging. I love encouragement. How many love encouragement? Encouragement literally means to fill people with God's courage, hope, and boldness. 
There's a lot of hurting people in this world. Now think about this. Do you think any job that any of us work at here, they're going to tell us, don't encourage anybody here. Don't you come with that encouragement. Don't you encourage your other coworkers, and certainly don't you encourage the other uh, the customers. Do you think anybody's job is going to say that? Let's be honest. And of, of course they wouldn't. So guess what? On your job, are you encouraging people? Or do you just shut down and say, well, nobody appreciates it here, so I'm not going to encourage anybody. They don't listen to me anyway. No, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says encourage often, consistently, passionately. Do unto others as you want done unto yourself. When you look at Hebrews 3.13, the Bible says that we should all encourage one another. Keep running your race. Keep working hard. Keep coming early. Keep staying late. Let's make this company great. Let's make this family great. You're the right person for the job. And even if you have to say you're the wrong person for the job, say you're the right person for another job if you have to fire someone. But I want to encourage the encouragers here. Pour out that gift. Don't let what other people do affect you and stop you from encouragement because we need it. The world needs it. Number five, giving. Rachel, would you come, please? Everybody say giving. You know, we talked about this at the beginning. You know, giving is something that as you get older, hopefully we're learning to appreciate more. We know what it's like to work hard, and we want to give to our children. But have you thought about giving to other people's children? This Wednesday, we're going to do a back-to-school party right here. Well, last year, we had over 100. We'll probably have about 100 kids this year coming for school supplies. You know what? All you got to do is take $10, go to Walmart, buy it, and drop it off Wednesday. You're helping another child. Are you a giver? You can't stop givers. You know, a lot of times you come to church, oh, they just want my money, Jay, they just want my money. You know, put up that thing about the sports. I don't, put up the pastor. The pastor says, I don't go to the sports game anymore. I want you guys to see this meme. Because I hear people say this too, you know, the church, all they want is my money. I'm going to show you who really wants your money in just a minute. But think about this. Once again, we don't beg in this church. I'm sorry if you've been to a church that's like that. But, but think about the difference you can make in this, just in this location. Helping with gangs, helping with children, helping with young people. We support missions. Do you know what this is on me right now? This is a wristband for the persecuted church. I bought 25 of these online to give them away. I'll give it to the first 15 today that write me and say they want this because I want to give them away for free. It's the symbol of the persecuted church. You know that our church supports the persecuted church? Wow, yeah, when you give to missions, those are the kinds of things that you're supporting. Do you know that we're right now sending our books and things over to the Philippines, giving our computers? I just sent a projector to the Philippines so that the pastors there can do missions, preach. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Do you know right now that our single women's ministry, our singles women's ministry is doing something I have not seen, and that is collaborating with all of the groups of this city, from the housing shelters to the daycare to the food programs, and putting together a system so that no matter what a single mom needs, she can find it in the resources we're going to provide. I have never seen that in Chicago. I have seen agencies have some of the communication between other agencies, but I have not yet seen a church in discipleship collaborate with all of the agencies to single out or to help single moms. Wow. Your church does that? Yeah. I'm not boasting in anybody but God. Why? Because there's people who love to give. How about on your job? You think if you gave extra time to a customer, it would, it would pay off? You think if you gave extra time to your company, you think, you'd say, you think somebody at your company would say, stop giving all this time to this job. You think your boss would tell you that? We're just so tired of you coming around and you're helping us all the time. Find the meme. Type it just how I'm putting it. Just as I'm putting it. Listen right here. Pastor will not go to sports events. Put it into Google image search 
and I want everybody to see this for money. Everybody say give and receive. The Bible says we freely have received, now let us freely give. As they're looking this up, I want to go on to the next ones. How many feel like some of these gifts are for you, that God has called you to do that, amen? The next one, leading. How many leaders do I have here that want to be leaders, that God's called you to be a leader? The Bible talks about being a good manager, a good steward, a good overseer, and how should we do it in righteousness? The Bible says in Proverbs 29, 2, that when the wicked rule, everybody's upset. Nobody likes it. But when the righteous rule, everybody is full of joy. For our president, do you want a wicked president or a righteous president? For your boss at your work or the owner, do you want a wicked boss or righteous boss? Those of you who are now leaders, be that righteous person. Be that person that others look up to. If you want to lead, show that you care. Make that company, make that house the best house possible. Let me just talk to fathers real quick. How can you have your wife and children follow you? By being a loving leader. Not a demanding, domineering, dictating leader, but a loving leader. How am I going to be loving leaders? Amen. Look what the Bible says here. Tell those who are leading, lead diligently. That's what Paul said. Have you found it? Guys, look at your neighbor and tell what your two things were. Say what your two things were right now. Come on. What are your two major gifts? Tell your neighbor right now for me, please. Tell your neighbor. Tell your other neighbor. Come on. i got to find this. Gentlemen, I don't want to embarrass you in any way, but it was the first thing that came up on mine. So if you guys need some help, uh, let me know in the back when you guys need some help Googling things because it was the first thing that came up when I typed it in just as I told you how to type it in. Can one of you put your eye in this right here? It's okay. I don't even want to talk about it right now. I don't even want to hear from you. No, I'm kidding. Here we go. Some people say, I don't want to come to church because of money. I don't want to come to church because of money. Well, here's 12 reasons why I don't want to go to sporting events anymore. Okay, I'm a pastor, so somebody doesn't want to come to church because pastors want money. Well, I don't want to come to sporting events for these 12 reasons. Number one, the coach never came to visit me. Every time I went, they asked for money. I couldn't get in without it. Number three, people sitting in my row didn't seem very friendly. Number four, the seats were very hard. You ever been to a Cubs game, the hard seats? Number five, the referees made a decision I didn't agree with. Number six, I was sitting with hypocrites. They only came to see what the other players were wearing. Number seven, some games went into overtime, and I was late getting home. Number eight, the band played some songs that I had never heard before and didn't like. Number nine, the games are scheduled on my day to sleep in and run errands. Interferes with my life. Number 10, my parents took me to too many games when I was growing up, so I don't want to go to them now. So my parents did. Number 11, since I read a book on sports, I feel that I know more than the coaches anyway. You ever hear about that? I read the Bible, I know more than they do. Number 12, I don't want to take my children because I want them to choose for themselves what sport they like best. Isn't that something? People say that about church. Oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. But you know what? You go to the sporting game and you put up with all those things because that becomes a God. Now, you can have God and like sports. That's okay, right? But let's be honest. Let's not make sports into an idol. Let's not put that first and God second. 
Leadership. It's important to lead. The Bible says we should lead diligently. And last one, show mercy. Can you highlight that, please? Mercy givers are the kind of people that are kind and generous. You know, Sue Ellen in the back who works with our children, she is a mercy giver. When she first came on staff and we had to talk about, you know, some of the tough stuff, people leaving the church and different things, oh, Sue Ellen would just start crying. Oh, no, they're leaving the church. I'm going to miss them. And I'm like, Sue Ellen, they don't like us anymore, Sue Ellen. But I like them. I like them. I'm kidding, just half kid. But it's like those are mercy givers. Those are mercy givers. My mom was not a mercy giver. I was wrestling one day, and it turned into a, um, a, a cage match. I don't know what this guy was thinking, but we were wrestling. All of a sudden, he put me in a death chokehold, hyperextended my back, and really hurt me. And uh, I was in so much pain that I, uh, I needed to go home. And my mom was actually staying with us at that time. And Nancy and I were just dating, so my mom was in my apartment. And I go home, and I go, Mom, I, I just got choked out with this guy, and, and I, I, it hurts so bad, and it's swelling up. What should I do? And my mom goes, oh, just suck on one of these. She gives me a peppermint, and she goes, you'll be all right. No mercy. You'll be all right. Take a peppermint. You'll be okay. So I call up one of my family, uh, one of our family friend doctors, a Dr. Belga. I call him up and I go, Dr. Belga, I was choked while I was wrestling with this guy and it really hurts. It's hard to swallow. He goes, you need to go to the hospital now. Your esophagus, you know, could swell and you could stop breathing. So I go into the emergency room and boy, they took me serious because I just put it down, you know, got choked. It's hard for me to swallow. Immediately, they put me right into the, to the doctor's room. You know how that is. That never really happens, right? You could be having a baby and they say, still wait. So they put me right through, you know. And while they're there, they give me Vicodin. They give me pain pills. Still, the pain's not going away. It's only getting worse. They then put an IV into my arm with morphine. And then at that point, the pain starts to go away. But then they have to put like a WD-40 can in my nose and spray it all the way up my nose to numb my nose so that they can stick a camera up my nose and down my throat. Then they see that my throat is closing, but they're not sure if I'm in need of a surgery or whatever else they were going to do. So he said, we got to do one more test. We're going to put you in an MRI. You see how serious this is? This is, this is Vicodin, morphine, shooting up my nose, putting the camera down. They're now getting an MRI. And then at the end, they say, we think you're going to make it, but here's some Vicodin to take home for the next couple of days. And here's what my mom gave me to solve the problem. This was my mother's solution. You see, there are some people that don't have a lot of mercy. And you might have grown up like that. Now, to my mom's credit, she has gotten way more merciful over the years. And it's not just because she's getting older and slower and all of that. No, it's because she is changing in God's presence. And so I love mercy givers. I love when people give forgiveness. You know why? Because the Bible says, if, you're merciful, if, if you give mercy, you shall receive mercy. Look at those seven now in closing. Do you see where you're at on these? What are your two or three that stick out? Prophesying, speaking the heart of God to the hearts of men, serving, helping, assisting, benefiting others, teaching, instructing, advising, informing God's people, of, uh, informing people of God's knowledge encouraging, inspiring them to be bold and hopeful, giving, helping others in their time of need, leading, overseeing and guiding in righteousness, or mercy, showing forgiveness and helping others. I want you to think about this now in closing. The body of Christ, as we've learned, has many members functioning as one. It's just like your earthly body. You have an earthly body that's one body with many members functioning as one. 
The body of Christ has many members function as one. And God wants you in the body of Christ to serve and use the gifts he gave you. But the place he has for you to serve is not based on God's need. It's not based on his need. He doesn't need you and he doesn't need me. If I didn't come tomorrow, someone else would preach in my place. If you don't do your spot and take your place in this church, someone else will. There's a promise of 100,000, and that's with or without you, and it's with or without me. But God invites us to be a functioning member of his body because he has a heart for us. His heart beats for us. So not only do I think God is the head of the church, I also think he's the heart of the church. And God is saying, do you want to connect to my heart? Do you want to start somewhere and start serving? Do you want to start using those gifts? Shame on us if we only use our gifts for our own benefit. You see, I grew up in the home, not of a pastor, but of a businessman. My children now are PKs, pastor's kids, but I wasn't. I was a BK, a businessman's kid. But you know what I saw my dad do? When they needed a bus driver in church, my dad drove the bus for the kids. When they needed a youth pastor, my dad volunteered to be a youth pastor. When they didn't have a drummer, my dad was the drummer. And you know that now what he volunteers to do? He operates and is on a 24-hour prayer hotline. You could actually get the number and know the hour he's on. But a 24-hour hotline asked retirees for their schedule to volunteer to be at a 1-800-PRAYER line. Isn't that cool? You call up and there's my dad. How can I pray for you? He could just be doing his own thing on retirement. But he said, I still want to give back. Not because I have to, but because I want to. Not because God needs me, but because God loves me. Let's use our gifts for him. Starting in the kingdom of God, because that's what we're to seek first. Then let all the other things be added unto us. I'll never forget my mother taking me to the church one day with four or five bags, uh, garbage bags. And she said, bring your skateboard because you're going to be there a while. And I go, Mom, what are we doing? She said, you'll see when you get there. And my mom literally walked around and picked up all the weeds in the lot of that church while I skateboarded. Now, that doesn't make me look good. It only makes her look better. And she filled up, I'm telling you, bags of weeds because it was a huge church. And these weeds had grown all over the place. But that's how I was raised to think, that if I put God first, God will take care of my needs. Now as a pastor, I see how that works. I watch people come here, and I watch many, like young adults, start their careers here. And when they're new in life, you know, they're so excited to serve God because they want their marriage to be blessed or their kids to be blessed. But there's sometimes this change that happens. Once they get some money in their pocket, once they get a nice car, once they move into a nice house, it's kind of like, well, you know what, God, thank you for all the goodies you gave me, but I'm keeping them now. I'm too busy, Lord. And you can almost hear God ask them, well, what are you busy doing? Well, I'm busy with my kids, and I'm busy planting my garden, and I'm busy doing my vacations. And you could almost hear God say back to them, uh, uh, excuse me, you're, you're busy with my blessings to come be a blessing to others? You mean the things I gave you have now become the things that distract you? I wonder if any of us could hear that in our hearts today. The things that I gave you are now the things distracting you. 
Don't be distracted by your gifts. Put them at the altar and let God use them. Amen? Be that person who makes the touchdown and points to heaven. Be that one who gets the raise and says, I just want to tell everybody I want to thank God for what he did here. I remember going to um, M&K's grand opening of their business. And he said, we're going to bring all of our employees together, have a celebration, but I want my pastor to be there to pray. Oh, to God that we would do that again. Come on. Oh, to God that we would show this world that God means something in our everyday lives. Amen? Would you stand up with me and bless the Lord for the gifts he's given you? Would you do that? Amen. Come on. We're blessing Jesus. Altar workers and band, would you come? Lord, we thank you for all of these gifts. Would you just bow your head in a moment of prayer? We're going to invite you to come to these altars if you want to tap into those gifts or receive the greatest gift of salvation. But before we, we do, and I want to sing Surrender, I Surrender All, that part of that song. Would you get that ready for us, please? With every head bowed and eyes closed, would you just thank God for the gifts you have? Would you open your mouth in an attitude of prayer, say, thank you, God, for giving me these gifts by your grace. Let's start by doing that right now. Come on, let's pray. Let's be thankful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the gift to teach. Thank you, God, for the gift to lead. Thank you, Lord, that my wife has the gift of encouragement. It means so much to me, God. Thank you, God, for the gift of mercy. Thank you. Your grace gives us gifts. Your charis gives us charismata. Your grace gives me gifts I don't deserve and never could earn. But what I can do is give them back to you. Now after you've said thank you, would you surrender them back to God? Lift them up to Him. Symbolically, you could raise your hands. But in your heart, would you give them back to Him? Come on. I surrender, Lord. I surrender. I don't want to be like the rich man in the Bible who has it all and those things that we call all keep us from the kingdom. And then Jesus has to say to us, it's harder for them to enter the kingdom than it is for a rich man. I mean, than it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. I don't want Jesus to look at me and say, Joe could have made it in the kingdom, but his gift of preaching and teaching made him greedy, made him corrupt. He missed out on my kingdom. I don't want to see our young people here and those who are a little bit older in their careers. Let the gifts keep you out the kingdom. So use your gifts in the kingdom. And that comes through surrender. Surrender. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's not just about my foreign no more. It's about God. Just a few more moments, and then we'll sing this song together. Surrender never felt so good. Surrender never felt so good when you let go and let God. 
Some of us are tired of trying to use our gifts for our own selfish wants and desires. It's left us empty. Let's do it God's way, amen. Let's, let's let go of our, our wants, our desires. Let's deny ourselves. Let's take up our cross. Let's follow Jesus. Let's have dreams of kingdom greatness, not just of me greatness and selfish greatness. Before we close, would you sing it out with me, this song that Rachel was singing before? I surrender. It's an old one. Would you put the words up for us, please? Let's all sing it before we go. All to Jesus, I surrender all to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily. Come on, from the beginning. To Jesus I surrender all to Him. I freely give. I give it back to Him. I will ever love and trust Him. Could it be that our biggest worries and fears in life come from us not trusting God with our gifts and talents? I surrender all. is release? Could it be that our victory and breakthrough is just one surrender away? Letting go? I totally believe that, friends. I really do. Let not this moment pass you by. One more time, I surrender all. Lord, uh, we have heard your word. We understand your grace has given us gifts. We, may we now apply them to your kingdom for your glory everywhere we go. In Jesus' name we pray. Can everybody say amen one more time? Would you bless them if you're still happy to be in church today? Amen. We have prayer workers. We're going to keep worshiping. But before you go, would you slap somebody high five and say, God's grace gives you gifts. Come on. God bless you. Have a great day. If you have any prayer need, come on up. Otherwise, worship with us. You are dismissed. Jesus
this verse is powerful. I surrender. Humbly at his feet I bow. If you're worshiping with us, enjoy this verse today. Worldly pleasures. continue in worship. If you still need prayer, would you come up? There's such a sweet presence of God in this place. Of course, if you have to go, you know, God bless you, but just those that need to linger a little bit, I just want to encourage you. When we let go and let God, it is not just a cliche. It is a true reality. And so that means I want you to look for opportunities this week to really be used by God. And if you can, write them down in a journal to encourage yourself in the future to remember, wow, that's when God started to use me like this. Or, or this is when I started stepping out more and God started doing more. I believe that this week can really be monumental if we apply what we've learned. If we take that time to say, I'm an available messenger now. I'm going to speak his word. I'm an available servant. I'm going to do it. And so, Lord, we, we just thank you for today's service. We thank you for the after party, those who are hanging out at the altars, those who are worshiping, even those that had to go. Uh, God, and we just thank you that there's so much more. There are so many people that we can help, so much more ministry to do. And so, Lord, it's by your grace we're going to do it. And it's a surrendered life. Not a prideful life, not a controlling life, but it's a surrendered life that brings victory. I surrender it to you, God. I surrender the dreams of this church, the dreams of my family, the goals of my finances. I surrender because I know your way will be best. Could you sing that part there? I surrender. Come on, Rachel. No, the part from the other song, remember the Kim Walker song, that part, please. I surrender. There you go. Thank you. I surrender. I surrender, God. Thank you, Lord. 